Welcome back to the Silver Screen Roll podcast. This is I Love Basketball, and I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. I'm joined again today by Anthony Irwin. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing good, uh, as evidenced by the the crying and screaming baby. Uh, she just <laughs> waited till literally right now. I think she took a digger. She's trying to stand on her own is Aww. the thing. And uh, like usually she's pretty good at that like diaper fall that babies do, you know, mm. where they just go straight back onto their butt. And then she kind of looks up. And she's like, oh, I was standing a second ago. Now I'm not, you know, but every so often, like if she's on an uneven surface, she'll like like really kind of fall onto one side and then hit her head on and we have most mm-hmm. of the room padded but every you know the one thing you learn about babies is they're really good at finding stuff they shouldn't find <laughs> and finding like that one square inch of ground that that is like still kind of hard that that would hurt their head there's there's it, it they're basically the rajon rondo of pissing me off like from in, in the in the natural world I feel like that's the one thing that sitcoms get right about babies is that you always see a character asking like, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, so uh, you, you learn a few things. So silence from your baby is not good. Okay. You know, that's, that's kind of rule number one. Once they start making noise, you don't want them to be not making noise unless they're like with mom. Right. And then in mm-hmm. which case like, yeah, all right. You, that's just, that situation is under control. But uh, other than that, like you, you want to hear them at all times uh, because if you don't hear them, there's a really good chance like something is in their mouth or, you know, just uh, any number of things that, that is just that, that can't go well. And then um, you have to like you think draft experts are anal about wingspan, but you have to know the exact amount of of. Uh, length that they have so that you know where to put stuff on the couch when they start standing up. Like she's, she's been scaling the couch here for the last, I would say month or so. And while she's done that, I've made sure like wires have to be about a foot back, you know, uh, any kind of paper bag, you know, like if I have like fast food it for lunch, she has to, you know, she, she's just really good at, when I step away for like three seconds, even if she's on the other side of the room, it just took those three seconds for her to climb over there and rip that bag to hell. And then now you have to hope, please don't, please don't eat that paper. Please like for any number of reasons, choking at the top of the list, but like residue grease, mm-hmm. condiments that you weren't positive. She's, a, she's, she's, you know, she can actually have yet. Uh, but yeah, those are, those are the two rules. I think other than that, you can kind of make your way through being a parent. Wow, that's that's a lot to process, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not all that different from letting me write or talk on a podcast for for uh, for Silver Screen and Roll. Like Harrison just, just knows, like if a couple Anthony rules you is have quiet, to follow, you know. <laughs> yeah, like if 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 Anthony is quiet, he's probably not doing something good. Um, like make sure he's arms distance from any topic that could get him or the site in trouble. You know, it just, he's, he knows where it's at. He's ready to be a parent just for, for the experience of, of having to manage me for any length of time. Oh, well, I mean, he's has a lot more experience than I do, but I think, I think we're working out okay so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's okay. All right. So we're in July officially, which is kind of crazy, um, which means theoretically the NBA starts back this month. Can you believe it? 
Uh, well, I, w- I thought you were, you know, I thought we were going to spend the whole show talking about the Lakers' key free agent signing of of this free agency period. Uh, oh yeah, they, they had a July one signing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just just another year, another major signing by the Lakers on July first. But let's let's see if we're going to rank the July one signings. JR has to come above Mozgov. <laughs> we'll find out. Because, like, if he dribbles the wrong direction in a finals game, like, Mozgov was awful for those four years, and that contract is something that, like, I might have lost actual life of, like, lifespan over. But if J.R. Smith pulls another J.R. Smith in the finals, then then Mozzie is off the hook all over again. We had to get rid of D'Angelo Russell to unload that <laughs> Mozgov contract. <laughs> well, that was Mozgov- not a small price to pay. <laughs> Mozgov also has like the greatest record in the history of the Lakers where like for a stretch of seven straight games where if he, if he got hit in the face with a ball, the Lakers won that game. And like, I just don't, I don't know very many things that have brought me as much joy as that streak did as while it was still alive. Yeah. You know, Timo taking one for the team. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) even if like, if if it was a night that I wasn't watching the game for whatever reason, I would get ads like, Oh, Maja got hit in the face. Hell yeah. (laughs) It's happening. (laughs) I would get, I would get ads like from random people. Don't dude, it's happening. It's happening. You got hit in the face. They're going to win. Like, okay, let's see how it goes. And then they would win. It was great. Yeah. I, I still remember just like looking at the contract thinking, did Woe just get the details wrong? Is he even like four years, 16 million total? Like, is this really a 16 <laughs> annual kind of thing? That that uh, summer requires its own 30 for 30. Yeah, I could could not believe that as it was happening. But we talked enough about J.R. Smith last week. That's, yeah. that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we're getting closer theoretically to basketball. Um, we've talked enough about the viability of the NBA setup, whether or not we think it's going to happen. Let's just assume it's going to happen. Um, it seems like ever since... Uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were acquired by the Clippers last year. We've been on this sort of like slow march towards the Lakers Clippers playoff series. And it almost feeds like, feels like the NBA has been force feeding us this rivalry between the Lakers and the Clippers, even though as evidence by the very first game (laughs) that they're playing in, in Orlando. Yeah. The second opening night that they're starting with Lakers Clippers (laughs) as if the October one wasn't good enough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like, you know, they're force-feeding this to us, even though as, an, as a Laker fan my entire life, I've never really once considered the Clippers a rival. Um, but it is rivalry week here at SB Nation, so I wanted to know, Anthony, I mean, obviously the Lakers have this historic rivalry with the Celtics, which is quite clearly the best rivalry in professional basketball. Maybe for me, like, I, I grew up and the Celtics were terrible. Yeah, and mm. the Celtics have only won one title in my entire lifetime. And yes, it was very satisfying to beat them in 2010, and it was very painful to lose to them in 2008. But for the majority of my Laker fanhood, I've never really thought of the Celtics as the team that I wanted to beat. Well, I'm curious. Was that the case for you, or did you feel that way about Boston? Well, uh, having grown up in the era of Kuzi and Russell – and West and Wilt, according to my mentions and according to the Slack, that's about how old I am, maybe even older. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. When Kobe was in his prime, he actually got MVP chance at the garden. It's like that's, an, that's an actual video that you can, you, you can look up on, uh, on YouTube. Uh, the Celtics for a really long time, like they had this 
core of Anton Walker and Paul Pierce, who like are built like two potatoes, right? Like if you just, <laughs> like if you put <laughs> if you put like a Celtics uniform on a spud, like it would look like those two guys. And like shockingly, that didn't that era wasn't very fruitful for them. Uh, and and like they had the they drafted Chauncey Billups, but then traded him before he became Chauncey Billups. Like good mm-hmm. good move there. Uh, and then they had the big three era, which, like, if if you could if you could summarize what the Celtics have been in our lifetime, I think the big three is a perfect amalgamation of that, right? Where it's it, where it's there, they're considered like this. They, they call it the big three era, right? And even though they won one title, <laughs> yeah, like Paul Pierce and Kendrick Perkins are on ESPN. Like every time you turn around, uh, Kevin Garnett, like somehow the only one that I would actually want to hear from, Kevin Garnett, we we don't hear from very often. Like he's the he's the one I want to hear from, and then we get stuck with Kendrick Perkins and Paul Pierce, and and you know it's just kind of a bummer, but but the Celtics are always held up as like, you know, right there with the Lakers as the marquee franchise in the NBA. I just don't think they belong up there. Like they were, they were great back in the seventies when they were glorified YMCA games, but, (laughs) but they aren't, they haven't been relevant. Like I think they've won as many championships in the last, like, uh, let's see, their last championship was probably, like 86, I want to say. 86, yes. Yeah, so th- in the last 30 years, uh, they've won as many championships as the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> like, I, like, Noted me- standard of excellence, Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so like, I, I, guess, I guess when, I, when people talk about how there's this great historic rivalry with the Lakers and Celtics, like, it's been kind of trumped up. I can't lie. It's, it's, I, I, it's, it's, it's really fun for those moments where we get those teams together. Mm-hmm. But like, if you really want to talk about caliber of organization, the Celtics don't belong in the Lakers in, in the same conversation as the Lakers. I will say it's been really fun to root against the Celtics in recent years, just because they've sort of become this paradigm for like how to run a front office correctly. And it mm-hmm. hasn't paid off for them one bit. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just watching, you know, Danny Ainge's war chest of draft assets, like, you know, yeah, obviously they, they got the Jason Tatum after, assets, but like, that's for sure. <laughs> they, they couldn't, you know, swing the trade for Paul George. They couldn't swing the trade for Anthony Davis. Like they got Kyrie Irving and look what good that did. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I like it, there's definitely like a lot of joy that comes from watching the Celtics fail, but I'm not yeah. so sure that's because of the Lakers Celtics rivalry so much as it's the way they present themselves. And like, you know, oh, would you rather have Brad Stevens or Giannis Antetokounmpo? <laughs> like, is that an actual question? Uh, it's just the way they're portrayed in the media is so objectively ridiculous that well, I've grown to like despise them quite a bit, but I'm not sure like I learned that, you know, historically as a Laker fan or if that's just a more recent phenomenon. Well, like you look at where so much of the media kind of comes from, right? Yeah. Like there's there's a lot of Bostonians in the media. Oh, and- yeah. And you know, like it, like Bob Ryan is is a legend. He's like mm-hmm. maybe one of the greatest beat writers ever. Blah 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 blah. Same but then you hear McMullen. him talk about you hear him talk about basketball, and I'm like, wait, what? 
like I remember he he said this with a straight face. Like he was asked, "Who would you rather have if you had to win a single game between Bill Walton and Shaquille O'Neal?" And he said, "Bill Walton." <laughs> like, Bobby, <laughs> you can't you can't say stuff like that. So so yeah, I mean, when you talk about like the way that the Celtics are portrayed, yeah, it, it certainly helps that that. It, I would say one out of every five major media members out there hail from Boston. And, Mm -hmm. you know, otherwise, otherwise they would be, their feet would be held to the fire a little bit more. Like uh, Brad Stevens wouldn't be this prodigal son that he's seen as when, you know, when, when, like get out of the second round. Like let's let's or, or get get out. You know, actually He's make it to the conference finals. Well, you know, yeah, make, make runs it to, into LeBron a lot. You know. <laughs> well, sure, but like if if you're if you're considered like this all timer, that mm-hmm. you know, it's being asked whether or not I would rather have Brad Stevens or Giannis Antetokounmpo. You, there is nobody who should stand in your way, mm-hmm. right? If you're if you're that incredible a coach, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, like it, it's again when we're talking about relevance over the last 30 years, when we're talking about caliber of organization and, Mm. and how a, a, an organization should be run like the Celtics, in my opinion, I think there's a real argument as to like, this is how an an organization shouldn't be run in the NBA where players do really care about empowerment and players really do care that they get the credit when things go well for an organization and you look at the the conversation that surrounds the 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 Celtics, right? It's like Danny Ainge, and then it's Brad Stevens, and then, oh yeah, I mean Jason Tatum for a nineteen year old is still pretty good, and 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 you got Jalen Brown, and I never and, know how old Jason Tatum actually is because you always say that he's nineteen, and it just like <laughs> sits in my head. I, I mean, his new hairdo screams of like nineteen year old who just learned how to grow out their hair, like just just figured out, oh, I can I can do something other than a buzz. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, they, they, you look at the way that they're kind of portrayed and I, I personally, I think the way that the Lakers handle their business is, is actually the way you should probably go about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where it's very star driven, it's, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis have been empowered. You know, there are some parts where I, I wish they were empowered a little bit less, you know, yeah. where, where, <laughs> <laughs> Rajon I'm not Rondo sure we not... need six clutch clients on one <laughs> roster. Yeah, but like you know, but you still you you still look at like which which franchise is closer to a championship right now between those two, right? I yep. still say it's, it's the, the Lakers, Lakers yeah. and that's with them coming off of the worst stretch in their organization's history that they were able to go through all that after winning more championships during the quote unquote big three era. Mm-hmm. They were able to go through that and then have that really bad down period. And because they have ingratiated themselves to stars and because they know how to treat Magic Johnson, didn't trade Kobe Bryant, didn't, uh, didn't even trade Pau Gasol, though they really tried and, 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 and probably should have been able to trade him. Right. But, but yeah, that like was the, a little bit messier than I'm going to give the Lakers credit yeah, for. Pal wasn't the example to use there. But, but like, <laughs> you know, Kareem, James Worthy, you, you look at the all timers that played for the Lakers. And for the vast, vast majority of them, the, the Lakers met them more than halfway in not just, uh, you know, building them up as stars while they were Lakers, but then also making them successful after their playing careers were over. And you kind of look right. at like what Boston has done. Like Paul, Paul Pierce did 
as much as you could ask a player to do for an organization. And he was shipped off to Brooklyn and became like a, a, a joke at the end of his career. If he finishes his career in Boston, I'm not positive he becomes the same joke that, that he became uh, when he was like a clipper. And, you know, other than that, like I called game moments in, in uh, Washington, Washington, like the, the rest of his career is pretty forgettable and you didn't get yeah, like, like we, the, go ahead. We give the Lakers a lot of flack, you know, because they signed Kobe Bryant to that $48 million extension for the final two years of his career. And like it, it plays out in stark contrast to what yeah. Boston did with their stars. But like, I always think about how uh, that one Clippers Warriors game when Draymond Green yells at Paul Pierce, like this ain't your retirement tour, you know, <laughs> like right. this is not your thing. Like maybe he could have had that in Boston, you know, like yeah. Kobe was not on a good team in LA. He was not a good player at that point, but he still got it because it was the culmination of 20 years in Los Angeles. And it was not to say that it needed to be 20 years, but like whenever Paul Pierce retired in Boston, I like to think he would have been afforded that same courtesy, like the same that Dirk got when he retired in Dallas, you know? Right. Um, and yeah, maybe the Lakers like could have handled their asset management a little better. Like obviously the Celtics have benefited from that trade, but I do think that there's like an interpersonal class doing relationships that, yes, you know, it shows where the Lakers priorities were and where Boston's priorities were. And maybe it is like sort of happenstance that the Lakers are now closer to a title than Boston was even after all of that happened. But I don't think it's an accident that stars like say that they will resign in Los Angeles and don't give the same assurances in Boston. Absolutely. I mean, like in, in what industry would an employee want to just be seen as an asset? Like and and mm-hmm. and, and have that applauded by the people who cover the team. And then, you know, that becomes the conversation that is held in the, uh, in the fan base as well. Right. So I, I, I don't know, personally in, in this league, maybe it would work a little bit better in baseball where those players are a little bit more faceless. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, 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 we know it works better in football with the success that Bill Belichick has had with, while looking at his players as, as mostly assets, but in basketball, I don't think it can quite work that way. I, I just, I, I really don't. The, the players mean so much more to the fan base and to uh, their organizations to where, and, 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 and they also talk so much more amongst each other saying stuff like, well, yeah, I mean, you could go play in Houston, but as soon as Daryl Morey's sick of you, you're, you're, you're on the move. Right. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you can, you know, Sam Presti traded Russell Westbrook and, and Danny Ainge now is, is, is known for, trading uh kg paul pearson and and it wasn't ray allen right i think it was just ray allen just signed as a free agent elsewhere but but yeah i mean i I really i really feel like for in this era of of uh where the nba is at understanding player agency and using that to your advantage is the market inefficiency and i think it's the blind spot that that danny ainge and, and the boston celtics in general have have hugely missed on. Right. And I, I think it's perfectly valid to criticize some of the shortcomings of the Lakers front office. Um, but that's definitely one thing that they get right. Yep. And, you know, you convince me. I, I hate Boston just as much as I should as a Lakers fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about some of the other great Lakers rivals. All right. So when I was growing up, the team that I hated the 
very most as a Laker fan was the Spurs. There you go. And I think it's because we played them, what, seven times in the playoffs over the course of like 12 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were also very good. And I do believe that a rivalry is necessitated by the fact that both teams have to win over the, you know, that's why I don't consider like Lakers Kings or Lakers Blazers anything because, again, both teams have to win. Uh, Yep. Yeah. I hated the Spurs so, so much. (laughs) (laughs) I, I couldn't stand the conversation that surrounded the Spurs. Like that they were seen as it's the same kind of thing that we're seeing here with, with uh, Boston where mm-hmm. they're, they're held up as like what a, an organization should be run like, and, and look at this consistency and look at all this. And it's like, yeah, congratulations on being mediocre for a really long stretch. That's it's And then you just like well tanked one season and happened to like to luck into Tim Duncan. Like everybody else would have drafted him number one. It wasn't some great like genius <laughs> yeah. foresight that caused you to pick him. Yeah. And like great Popovich, like look at the success he's had since, since Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, it, it just, it, it might just be, that the Spurs looked into a completely unique superstar in Tim Duncan. Like somebody, they don't make superstars like that in the NBA. Somebody who, you know, is super quiet, buys completely into whatever the coach has to say, no matter what that might look like. Uh, I believe took pay cuts along the way too, uh, yes. which, which, is, which is, you know, pretty unique, especially uh, compared to nowadays. And so like, yeah, like, yes, the Spurs did a lot right. You know, mining the uh the the european and uh south american uh talent pool the way that they did changed the nba forever you know and greg popovich is is going to go down rightfully as as the second best coach of all time behind phil and we're not including red Auerbach in this discussion (laughs) i mean i can't Coach of the I, Year trophy is named after him, Anthony. <laughs> it's that's that's true. That's true. But but no no. I mean <laughs> no. Sorry, I had to throw it in there. <laughs> he's he's like a distant third. We'll we'll give him that. Congratulations, Auerbach. Um, and and so like you you look at you look at like the way that the Lakers are looked at, right? And they were and you know again some of the stuff is is born and true. So the Lakers were seen as this like completely volatile team that may or may not have underachieved, but they uh, did something that the Spurs weren't able to do, which is they won back-to-back and then obviously won another. They, they three-peated. The Spurs never were able to win back-to-back championships. Um, the, the, the Lakers, you know, while I, I really think there's value in being fun. Like, do you think being a Spurs fan was fun? I mean, I'm sure, like, if the Spurs are your only team in San Antonio, right? Like that's the only one of the four major professional sports that has a team there, right? Yeah. So if that's your only team, I think you're willing to forgive the fact that they don't have like acrobats on their team, you know? And it, it was a different era of the NBA, right? Like I'm thinking of, like, I think about the Fisher shot all the time just because it was like one of the craziest end of game <laughs> sequences I've ever seen in NBA. And, and that game ends, what, 74, 73? <laughs> Or maybe 73, 72. That might be high. Yeah. (laughs) That's just kind of how the games were then. And I maybe it wasn't as much fun to be a fan of the Spurs, but like I've never been a huge, like my team needs to play a fun style of play. You know, like as long as they're getting the job done, I'm kind of okay with it. I don't know. Well, it's not not just like style of play though too. It was like 
they were so vanilla. They were purposely vanilla. Like they were, they they would go out of their way to be uninteresting. And like they're, while the Lakers were probably too far to the other end of the spectrum, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll grant I'll grant that. But but it was still like I I, I don't know. There, I, I would just feel like I would look back on the Spurs as like I would have the same memories, fond memories of the Spurs as like your first girlfriend in, in high school or something like that, where it was just like, Oh, that was, you know, that was a little experience. And then, uh, then that happened. And then I moved on to, to I will say the, the one stuff. thing I blame the Spurs for the most is like convincing the league that gray is an acceptable color for a uniform. Yes. It's not, how, it's how really perfectly, not. How perfectly Spurs is that though? Like, <laughs> like they, we're they, white, they, we're black. I'm okay with the black. You know, there's a little bit of like, style there the gray is the worst thing and more and more teams seem to think that they can pull it off and i hate that san antonio is convinced the league that this is okay <laughs> i remember i remember the first time they brought out those gray uniforms and they look like practice uniforms yes like they look like they look like pajamas they, they just and obviously <laughs> you're basically wearing pajamas right like a sure when you when you really think about it a jersey in in shorts is you could do worse to be comfortable in bed but uh, but like those, the goal isn't to look like you're going to bed, you know, and then they would also put you to sleep. Like they were just, they were so boring on and off the court that, and their, their, their uniforms just reminded you like, okay, so the point of this is to fall asleep, take a nap and wake up much like, you know, Spurs games were like golf tournaments where you, you'd fall asleep in like the first quarter, you would wake up, catch like the last couple minutes and then get excited for what else was coming on the, the rest of your day. It's very true. I paid so little attention to the 2003 and 2005 finals when the Spurs were in them. Like you could tell me any number of things that happened in those New Jersey and Detroit finals. And I believe you because I have no recollection of them. (laughs) They were so vanilla. I did watch when they played Cleveland because, you know, LeBron was the the draw there. But yeah. Yeah. I I mean, but so many of like, like, we got it. We got to do away with this. (laughs) (laughs) So many of like my least favorite memories of watching basketball when I was younger come against the Spurs like the 2003 Western Conference semifinals just just ate up at my heart like and then I like looking at this Laker roster where we're relying on big minutes from Kareem Rush and like <laughs> Slava Medvedenko and I, I know these are like beloved fan favorites it was just it was so hard to watch <laughs> yeah I mean in hindsight it would have been nice if if the Lakers like if you could have if you could have just added a touch not like you know, not not the entire, you know, carton of mayonnaise the way that the Spurs were built, but just like a touch of mayonnaise to to solidify the sauce that you were making there, right? Just a touch of like sour cream or something to give it a little bit more consistency, a little bit more body. Like, okay, the Lakers could have benefited from that, but like watching the Spurs and and, and being a Spurs fan, I feel like it's just like taking spoonful of spoonful of mayonnaise, like just constantly. <laughs> It just sounds awful. This, this reminds me of when I was in college and like one of the fraternity like hazing rituals was guys just had to sit there and like eat a tub of mayonnaise and it was so gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the worst thing you can have somebody do. I I can't stand mayonnaise. Like I just <laughs> like thinking about it, I'm like getting the, the cold sweats. It's just it's really just, disappointing. It sounds oh, awful. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting though is that like the Spurs kind of evolved into a way more fun team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like they still and then Popovich was like no I, I don't want to be like the modern team we're just going to go back and like 
be ridiculous offense again. <laughs> uh, but the, you know, this first series that like really bugs me the most, actually, it was the Kobe Achilles year because mm. we had played them the second to last game of the regular season. And so Kobe had already torn his Achilles and we'd sort of resign ourselves to the fact that like, we were just going to be this post playing dynamo, you know, for the rest of this season. And it was like a really great game in the regular season where Powell and Dwight were awesome. And like, we essentially clinched a playoff berth that night. And I'm thinking like, all right, I know it's like a two, seven series, but like, I really think we could handle this first. And then just everybody gets hurt. Like every single guard perimeter designated player. And we were starting like Andrew Powdlock and Darius Morris <laughs> And this, like, beautiful Spurs basketball team, the one that, like, everybody looks back on, just played the most boring series of all time against us. It's so frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, that was – heading into that, it was, like – it was already – it was you already had the gut punch, right? You're still reeling from the gut punch that Mm -hmm. losing Kobe was. And then, you know, that season in general was just so awful. Like, everything about that, you know, whether it was – um, Mike Brown being terrible through preseason and, and the first few games, uh, the the fiasco that was hiring Mike D'Antoni oh over God. Phil Jackson, <laughs> the weirdest weekend. <laughs> it's just wild. Um, that you had like somehow Dwight Howard figured out a way to piss off Steve Nash, who like everybody sees as this kind of complete Zen character, and like I think there's. A, there's a clip of Steve Nash hitting Dwight Howard in the head with a pass. And it's one of my favorite clips of all time. Cause you um, know, he did it on purpose. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so you had, and, and like Powell and Mike D'Antoni hating each other for some reason. Uh, you had Kobe and Dwight and Mike D'Antoni coming together for that really weird picture that they thought was going to help, but didn't help at all. And, and then, you know, that season kind of goes up in flames. And then of course, because of course, uh, you had, you know, the series against the Spurs, which was used as evidence as to like, see, this is how an organization should conduct itself. Mm-hmm. This is how things should go, right? And it's just like, like, thanks for for using the the worst case scenario as as an example of what not to do when the Lakers' grand crime that year was pairing Pau Gasol and Kobe Bryant with Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, and, and Metal World Peace. Like, yeah, like, that was sorry their... for trying to make the NBA fun, guys. <laughs> yeah, like that was, that was, the, that was the, the Lakers' grand crime that was holding, held against them. And then they get – obviously, everybody gets hurt. The, the Spurs just steamroll the Lakers. And as that's going on, you, you had that super nauseating conversation of like, see, this is why you don't swing for the fence. Oh, my God. So you want a league where everybody is shooting for singles? Like this is where <laughs> we're at? Like the, the, you want people bunting people to second base in, in, in the NBA? And, and, and so, yeah, like, yeah, you're, you're completely right. That was the of, – of all the, the kind of moments and everything that kind of summed up what there was to hate about the Spurs, that's, that series pretty perfectly summed it all up. Yeah, I think you're – I think you kind of hit on something that I hadn't realized before. It's just that – Every time we lost to the Spurs, it was like some kind of referendum on the Lakers. Yeah. Like we lost to them in 1999 and it was like, oh, you know, maybe the Kobe Shaq duo isn't good enough yet. And then, you know, our 2000 title like wasn't legitimate because Tim Duncan had gotten hurt and we didn't have to play them in the playoffs. And then that sort of goes away because we just lay waste to them in the next two years. But then, 
we lose in 2003 and it's like, oh, now the Lakers have to like bring in Carl Malone and Gary Payton and, you know, go full star heavy. And then in 2013, right? Like one way to run an organization, another one, like a homegrown talent, you know, bringing home a title or eventually bringing home a title. They did the following season, but I mean, the dichotomy was, was always so strong. It was never, it was never the other way around though, right? Like if the mm-hmm. Lakers beat the Spurs, which they did more than the Spurs beat the Lakers, by the way. Exactly. It was, it was never like, it was never, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe playing so post heavy is, is, is not the best way to go here. Or, you know, maybe Manu Ginobili, while he's like this super fun player might be semi flawed compared to Kobe effing Bryant, you know? <laughs> Um, like it was, you never had that conversation. It was always the other way around. It was just, and you know, I get it, you know, so much of, uh, so much of, of the people covering the sport come from cities where the Lakers ran through their teams and route to their own successes. But, but yeah, for some reason, the Spurs are always held up on this, on this mountain of this is what an NBA team should be. And, and meanwhile, the Lakers have, I think, three times more championships than the Spurs yeah the Spurs have five so we have 16 so yeah more than three times so 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 yeah I personally in a league or or in competitive sports where the point is to win championships I would prefer that route than (laughs) the hitting singles and and making like 12 straight playoff appearances maybe I'm weird like that but but that's where I would be yeah I think uh, another thing that really bothered me about the Spurs was like they were the one team that had an argument that their star was better than Kobe, mm-hmm. uh, and that that just gnawed at me. You know, like, <laughs> Tim Duncan never misses the playoffs, and no, Tim Duncan still plays defense, and everybody gets along with Tim Duncan. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, for some reason, uh, the fact that the Lakers employed Smush Parker was a referendum on why Tim Duncan is better than than Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Like that makes us so it makes a ton of Kobe sense. Kobe played with to Tony me. Parker for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's let's give Kobe Greg Popovich for the entirety of his career and see how that goes for him. No coaches named Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like let's just let's just see let's just see how things go if Kobe is allowed to play with the same core for his entire career and 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 see how great a career he plays there. I don't know. Yeah. And and still, like, even with that said, Kobe still finished with one more championship than Duncan. Oh, no. Still. Same number. Or no, same number. You're right. You're right. Yeah, same number. Yeah. Uh, but, he did get to more finals, though. Yeah. yeah. Which I but, carry as a badge of honor, even though, you know, I, I think it's I, more impressive to get to finals. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would just say that, like, we should subtract one championship from Greg Popovich because of how bad he was as the U.S. coach. <laughs> so I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, um, Tim Duncan's little international career. I, I don't think he was on the 2004 team. Was he on 2004? Uh, Did he play for the American team? Because he... We always called him, when I say we, like me and my brother always called him Tim Feba Sucks Duncan because <laughs> he hated international ball so much. But I can't remember which team he was on. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I don't know that he. I didn't know that he ever played. We have to. Oh, maybe I'll, I'll Google that really quick. But I didn't know yeah. that he ever played for an American team. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, he played in Athens. Yeah. Oh, I so, mean, yeah. I, I guess. I guess the fact that it was so forgettable should should make you realize <laughs> that or remember. Oh, yeah. Of course, the Spurs were heavily involved with that. Yep. 
Oh, man. But I, I do think, like, part of the joy of being a basketball fan is having these teams to just despise unilaterally, yeah. you know, like, not be able to appreciate any good that they bring or <laughs> just finding little things to poke at for 20 years, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's going to be way more than that. I hope, I hope I'm around here long enough to have way more things to poke at the Spurs about. Like, yeah. Greg It's Popovich almost too easy now. <laughs> Greg Popovich thought that like, cause in the NBA, he gets applauded for finishing in third all the time. So he figured like, Oh, if I do that in, in the Olympics that I'll, I'll still have the same amount of praise <laughs> for it. And it didn't work out that way, Greg. Yeah. I I'll never be able to let it go that Greg Popovich thought that DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertl were a reasonable oh trade God, packet yeah. for Kawhi how Leonard. Do we, how do we go this whole conversation with the Spurs and not mention the fact that they got actually like, completely raked over the coals for, for Kawhi yeah. Leonard. The guy like, I know we team. gave up a lot for Anthony Davis, but we got Anthony Davis. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the Spurs got like maybe the, 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 the player most or best known for not being able to win in the playoff setting in, mm-hmm. in DeMar DeRozan and a Pokemon. They got, they got, <laughs> they got, Squirtle and and Demar Division and <laughs> like and, and somehow this isn't like the source of their like they, they don't get they hardly ever get criticized for it the fact that you just brought it up now we went this entire conversation and I hadn't even thought about it yeah yeah again the Lakers this is where I'll go full Lakers exceptionalism here I'm I'm here for it the Lakers when you really think about like from, from, you know, the start of their time in LA to now, right. Mm -hmm. They don't have a, a, a consistent rival, right? Like when they, when they kept reaching their peak, it was against different teams. Like every Mm -hmm. time, every time they were, you know, in the eighties, right. When they were at their peak in the eighties, then it was the Celtics. But then when they were in the three peat, it was the Spurs and you know to a lesser extent like you said the kings and the blazers and then when you know the the lakers were at their peak again and and uh like the the celtics could only get to one of those championships when the lakers were when they're back to back right mm-hmm. and you know like over over the the course of when when you and i have been alive it's been like it's been the lakers and everybody else, like I, I would say the closest thing to what the Lakers or, or the team that has the most potential of being like the closest thing to what the Lakers have been for what for as long as you and I have been alive is probably Golden State. Right. Like where where like, sure, most of while you've been you and I have been alive, it's been just a complete disaster. But they just they, they did what they had to do to push all their chips into the middle and win as much as they could while they could win those championships. And, Mm -hmm. and like, that's always been my problem with the Spurs. It's like, we always applaud them for, for consistency and all that stuff. But, but when you have Tim Duncan for 15 or so years, I don't know. Like, I I feel like you should have, they, they could have done more to consistently get him help. And, 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 you know, for, for as much criticism as the Lakers got, because uh, of how immature Kobe and Shaq were. Like, I don't feel like they wasted as much of Kobe's career as, as I feel like the Spurs did at stretches. Because, like, 
Duncan was giving them money. Like he was giving them money. Here, here's, <laughs> here's money. Go get, go get me whatever help I, you, can, you can get from me. And they, they came back with like Andres Nocioni, you know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not even sure if he played for this first, but it sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I, the, the fact that there's such a, the, the, the grading scale here for the Lakers and the Spurs is so out of whack where the Lakers have much is it is it sustained success no but they've had more success and yet the spurs are held up as like this is what an nba team should be when their low points are just that much lower than their high points it's just it just seems like it just seems like we 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 uh we we curve their grading compared to what it takes for the lakers to be seen as 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 a great organization yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any other franchise in the NBA that swings for the fences quite as dramatically as the Lakers do. And yeah, you know, they, they screw up. <laughs> We've lived through some very public screw-ups, but yeah. it's supremely entertaining. And it also means that like you get these really interesting narratives with the rivalries where teams are just so diametrically opposed in like the philosophy of how they run a team. And I think that's what makes it more compelling, frankly, because like, I don't think the Spurs would be all that interesting if, like, they tried to run their team the same way we did and had a similar level of success, right? Like, it's it's almost better for the story that they're just, like, the exact opposite. <laughs> like, yeah. this one superstar who doesn't make public appearances and eventually turned into a coach, which is still the strangest thing to me. And they, they were gray. <laughs> like, the Lakers <laughs> were gold and the Spurs <laughs> were gray. <laughs> It's pretty cool that, that the Spurs can match Greg Popovich's suit color. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's really nice that they all can look alike on the sidelines and on the court. But yeah, I mean, the, the last point I'll, I'll make on this too is because at the end of the day, the point of all this is, in my opinion, in the NBA, the point is to make yourself appealing to superstars, right? Mm-hmm. And if I were a superstar, I would want to go to the team that has no problem whatsoever swinging for the fences while I'm there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, part of why LeBron came to the Lakers was he saw, all right, they have this treasure chest of, of assets that, you know, I, I might be able to help them in terms of leverage to help me get Anthony Davis, but they also have a history of swinging for the fences. Like if I was doing whatever it takes to appease the superstars. Right. Yeah. And, and you look at like Adam and I, uh, who I host locked on NBA with, cause he covers the nuggets and, it drives me bonkers that they had an opportunity this year to cash a couple chips in and make themselves, you know, lift themselves up to the tier of being, you know, with the Lakers, the Clippers and the Bucks, but instead went the other way. Right. And he said, well, you know, it's a small market. You gotta, you gotta look at things differently. I'm like, that's all cool and all, but if I was a superstar out there and, and I'm looking at like what Jokic is, is doing for the Nuggets and what the Nuggets aren't doing for Jokic, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Give me, give me the give me Drew Holiday. Forget Michael Porter. <laughs> right? Yeah, like give me, give me, give me the situation where I know that that team is going to do whatever it takes to help me win. And you can't say that about Boston. Can't say that about San Antonio. You'd say it again about Golden State. Which, like, by the way, I don't think it's a coincidence that you know when Giannis become you know becomes in any way, shape, or form available. People are linking him to the to the Warriors because Giannis would look at that team and say they did what it took to get Kevin Durant, 
Mm-hmm. And and they did what it took to potentially again give me room or, or uh, open up room for me to arrive there. I know they're going to do whatever it takes to win while I'm there. So I I, I just think while the Spurs have operated as like this great uh, anti-hero or hero, depending on on where you're sitting in in the NBA, while they have operated as that, I just I feel like it's it's. I just don't think that's a very smart way of operating in the NBA. Not, not a league that is so star driven as this league is. So assuming that the Spurs sort of stay in this weird little mediocre morass for the next few years, which Western conference team do you think Lakers fans are going to feel this way about next? Ooh, I think you, I think it'll probably be the Warriors. Yeah, okay. I, I really do. Cause uh, you have the LeBron Steph dynamic there from Cleveland, right? Yeah, so you you have that. Uh, the Warriors are going to be good, mm-hmm. you know, which which really matters here. The Warriors are going to be a threat. Like the the reason the Lakers are or Lakers fans are kind of bored when they look at the Spurs is like, yeah, you guys are are not at all. A <laughs> There's threat. not a lot to work with there. The Clippers have. Here's where I'd say the Clippers belong in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Steve Ballmer is crazy enough and more importantly, rich enough to do any number of weird things to, to make that team competitive, Yeah, you know? And it's crazy to think that like the Lakers, a team that prints money, like if you, it's actually kind of cool when you go for uh, the spectrum blogger night, they'll take mm-hmm. you into the facility and they'll show you the moneymaker that the Lakers have there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but they, but like they, you know, compared to what Ballmer is able to do for the Clippers, they 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 really can't spend to the same extent. They're going to spend because they're the Lakers, but mm-hmm. like it's it you know it's a lot more feasible for Ballmer, Mister. I think he's like the fourteenth richest man in the in the world. He's worth about sixty billion dollars. It's Good. an insane <laughs> amount of money. Yeah, um, but yeah, you, you compare you know the that leadership to the Lakers leadership, and and I think it's going to come down to either or you know it could be both um the mm-hmm. the warriors and the clippers do you how, how do you feel about that i i'm inclined to pick the warriors just because i i love a good northern southern california rivalry um those, i forgot to mention dodgers giants yeah those historically have worked out you know mm-hmm. fairly entertaining um i just also think the clippers have functioned as like this little brother to the lakers for so long that it's going to take something really dramatic to mm-hmm. change that perception and yeah, the Warriors sucked forever, but they were never like terrible in our backyard. Yeah. So there's not that same like inferiority complex that works, you know, I think uh, Lakers fans sort of just like, I wouldn't say pity Clippers fans, but they just have like an air about them. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's just a harder, you know, relationship to cultivate that way. So I, I think the Warriors are, are good. Pick. Is it, is it weird that I'm kind of taking the Warriors like online presence into account too. <laughs> I think that's part of it. I mean, the like, fact but, that, you know, Spurs fans are so holier than thou definitely plays into it. Yeah. Like, well, I'm, I'm talking to like, I'm, I've moved on beyond the Spurs. Like they're mm-hmm. just kind of there. I think they're just kind of going to be stuck. Like Greg Popovich is going to retire. And I really feel like that, that entire organization is just going to disintegrate. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, I look at the Warriors and, like I look forward to getting into trash talking battles with like Andy and Sam and the Warriors World people yeah. and like those like that's that's gonna be fun. 
Um, the Clippers, like I, I, I really like some of the people who who write about them, but I don't like I, I don't really look forward to the same trash talking with those guys. The, it with with the people who cover the Clippers, like you and Jovan are like two of the nicest people in the world. And not, not that like I would ever get into a trash talking battle with you, obviously, because mm-hmm. you're more a Laker fan than Clippers fan. Yeah. But like, you're one of the people who have covered the Clippers. Um, one of the best people who have covered the Clippers, if I could say so. So well, like, it, but like, I look at that relationship. Jovan is like just insanely nice. It, but like Sam and Andy, they have kind of a mean streak to them. They're so, like, so antagonistic; it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So like the like it was the same kind of way with Cavs fans when LeBron was thinking about you know when when we didn't know where LeBron was going to go. Like mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed talking trash to Justin and Carter, mm-hmm. you know, just because I know that if I said the wrong thing, they were going to dunk on me, you know, just as viciously as I was going to dunk on them. So so yeah, like that's an that's an element of this kind of potential rivalry that i'm really looking forward to as well yeah i guess it's the uh, the new age part of rivalries right like yeah. having a good social media presence to back it up with <laughs> yeah like yeah. like the spurs fans actually it's funny this is like a weird tangent but i was i'm in a group dm with a few guys who like you know either wrote or currently write for sb nation mm-hmm. and and various team sites or whatever and one of the guys asked like Hey, do we know anybody good from Houston? <laughs> we are all like, no, <laughs> they do not exist. <laughs> There's not a single person that covers the Rockets that I want to talk basketball with. Yeah, well, I mean, if there's one thing that unites all of us, it's just general distaste for the Rockets. So. Yeah, and it's like yeah. the city of Houston in general. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed our little uh, rivalry podcast this week. Uh, it's a fun little detour from present day basketball. Yeah. Uh, anyway, also this is, kudos to you for saving for saying rivalry. Rivalry. Like, as many times as you did without messing it up. That was well done. I appreciate that. You gave me a little uh, heads up leading into this. So <laughs> good to know it worked. All right. This has been the uh, Silver Screen Roll podcast. I love basketball. Make sure you're subscribed to our show on the Silver Screen Roll network on iTunes. Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And have a nice week.